Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood, and this is John Paul Basham. Yo. We are grateful to be with you for another episode. want to take a quick second and remind you, if you have not yet, we would love for you to leave a rating and review. Uh, it helps us make the podcast better for you and also lets us know what you think. So we are always eager to hear what you think of the podcast because we do it for you, the student ministry leader. All right. So if you do that, that would be greatly appreciated. Also helps other people find the podcast as they search for student ministry related content on the podcast platform of their choice. Well, here we are. John Paul, it is Halloween week. How do you feel about that? I feel good about it. I like Halloween week. Um, I don't know how some of our listeners may feel about Halloween week, but it's a pretty fun week around my house. The question this year is that we still have unanswered is, is our neighborhood doing Halloween? Yeah. And there's all kinds of people asking the question, like in our neighborhood Facebook page, but no one answering the question. So I guess we're all just going to get dressed up and find out if anybody turns on their lights. Man, it's an interesting question. Uh, it sounds like an opportunity for a neighborhood leader to step up and say, <laughs> we are doing this. I am doing this. <laughs> Take the bull by the horns, so to speak, or the ghoul by the horns. If you... There you go. ...want to contextualize. This is one of those moments where I say, hey, you know that $35 I pay every month for an HOA to pull things like this off? This is where I'd like for you to earn that money that I'm paying every month. Yeah, let's pull it off here. Um, it is, man, it's so interesting to think about uh, the neighborhood Facebook dynamic, because it's going on where we live, too, and the Halloween and like our church normally does this giant thing at the church. And like, there are thousands of people that come to this across, like it's the community thing. It's not happening this year, but I think one of the things that is cool about it is instead of saying, Hey, everybody come to the church for obvious reasons. Um, the church is putting together like in your driveway, meet your neighbors kind of stuff uh, and challenging all of the families of the church to sit in the driveway or as you interact with parents and families uh, to hand out information about the church, to invite them to just meet your neighbors. So, uh, man, I think it's a cool thing that our church is doing to kind of bridge that gap and take what is normally a neighborhood meeting opportunity. And instead of saying, everybody come to the church, minister to people, meet people in your own spot. So I kind of like that. We'll see if it continues next year. Maybe that's one of those things that COVID brings. It's like, hey, that worked really well. Let's keep doing that. Yeah, it's kind of similar to the way churches handled VBS this summer, really pushing that to the neighborhoods. And I heard a ton of cool stories about the fruit that came from pushing that kind of an event into the neighborhoods. So yeah, I like that too. For Halloween, it's a great idea. So we have, uh, you know, everybody knows you knock on the door, ring the doorbell, trick or treat. Uh, and I'm really thankful. Like I didn't grow up in a time where there were tricks. Uh, I've normally just got the treats. So I don't know where that phrase came from. Maybe producer Nathan knows where the phrase trick or treat came from. 
Um, I don't. I was thankful for the treats as a kid and and not any tricks. Today's episode, uh, we're not going to talk about Halloween and COVID. Uh, what we're going to talk about is the tricks or and treats of student ministry. So we're going to hit both. Uh, tricks being things that maybe you didn't think about uh, that were part of the student pastor role. Maybe you were surprised by them. Maybe when you first got into student ministry, uh, you you... You didn't expect these things to come. And then, of course, the treats, the good things, the, the happy surprises of student ministry. Um, so that's our episode today. I think it's going to be uh, an interesting episode. Uh, and we would love to hear some of the tricks or treats of student ministry from you. You can send those to us uh, via the social media at student ministry on Twitter. Uh, if you want to send us some of your tricks or treats of student ministry. Producer Nathan, do you you have some uh, research information here? I do, yeah. So it looks like trick-or-treating is borrowed from the modern day, what was called mumming in England and Scotland and Ireland, and it involved dressing in a costume and singing a rhyme. Or I think you'll like this one, Ben, doing a card trick or telling a story for exchange for a suite. So it was, do you want a trick? So like, let me do this magic trick for you, or would you like something sweet? So... Is a win-win both ways. I like that very much. Are you going to incorporate a little sleight of hand in your door-to-door this year? People, I'm going to be uh, hiding those York York peppermint patties are going to disappear <laughs> right, right in my hands. I do. Thank you, Producer Nathan, for the quick research there. That was fantastic. In terms of, let's start with the tricks. And I would like to admit right off the top, we are not attempting to overly snarky here or fuel any bitterness that you may have in student ministry about these things. So please take this as the laughing, we've all been there kind of moment that it is. And sometimes you've just got to laugh so you don't cry, right? So uh, the first thing, uh, one of the tricks of student ministry, um, and this one I experienced a lot. Uh, and it was not something that I expected, but that as a student pastor, you are also immediately part of the facilities crew. Like you have to set up chairs. Um, you have to take down chairs. You roll those six foot tables out the or eight foot round tables out. You got to set up your stuff. You got to tear down your stuff. Um, it was not too long in student ministry that I realized, oh, I am also on the facilities crew. Uh, it was, but the good thing about that is, is that anytime I go to set up chairs, there's a specific way that I set those chairs up. Uh, and I walk into a room where chairs are set up and I immediately notice, man, these chairs aren't set up right. <laughs> according to the way that I, that I was taught. So facilities crew is one of the tricks of student ministry that I know I experienced. The good news about somebody being very particular about the way that you set up chairs is that you passed down a very efficient way to set up chairs in a straight line to me, which has served me very well. <laughs> That's good. We can thank John Cope for that. Uh, there were You had to set up. He was uh, my first boss in student ministry as an intern. And, you know, you, you had to set up the chairs just right or the Holy Spirit couldn't get in there to move around and, <laughs> and draw, draw people out of those aisles. So it was it was good experience. Don't want him getting tripped up on a on a chair out <laughs> no, of place. Not at all. Not at all. Man, this is this. It really is. It's just part of student ministry. And it's one of those things that you can be bitter about. But if you're going to be bitter about it, you're going to be mad every single week. 
So I think you and I just kind of moved to a place, or at least I had to do this in my own heart. I don't actually know how you felt about it, but you always put on a good face. (laughs) It just kind of drove me to the place where it's like, okay, I'm going to have to do it. So let's just do this in a way that makes the room look so good that people say, Man, this is impressive the way they've set this room up. Without a doubt. it uh, Early on, I think it was like a bitterness thing. But later I was like, man, I just got to do it. So may as well make it look good. And, and it really did begin to bother me, though. Like if it wasn't set up just right, like it would bother me as I saw it. Even from being on the staff, I was like, oh, it's not set up right. Yeah. It, it becomes a point of pride and something that you really want done well. And and actually, as a first impression for somebody walking in the room or like a parent meeting or somebody that's coming to, we would often have a table in the back uh, for leaders that were prospective leaders, people out trying to recruit. And when they walk in the room before an hour of small groups and the room just looks really, really nice, we we always had comments about that. Like, man, you guys are, are doing this really well. And so, it really just kind of becomes part of recruiting and setting the atmosphere for parents and leaders and students. And, um, you know, we joke about the Holy Spirit thing, but it is a way to remove any distractions that would be there in a messy room to make sure that that's just one thing that's not getting in the way of you communicating what you need to communicate. So, Maybe unexpected at first for student pastors to say, why am I having to do this? I signed up to be relational with students. But in the end, t- take that on as a, as a place of pride and um, one way that you can kind of set the table for the gospel is maybe a way that I would put it. Yeah, I yeah I agree. Another one, I'll I'll be interested, John Paul, to hear your thoughts on this one. Um, I had an interview at a church one time that I ended up not going uh, not going to, um, and this church had uh, it was a great great church. And in the interview process, I found out that their Christmas pageant, church wide Christmas pageant, was one of the biggest not one the biggest thing they did all year. And they would sell out multiple shows per night for like two weeks straight during the Christmas season. We're talking live camels walking around in the church as a part of like this. It was a major thing. Uh, And I was thankful for this. And this may take away a little bit of the trick factor because they did say it in the interview. Uh, But I found out that. Like that's something they work on six months out of the year. And that as the student pastor, as a staff member, that part of my role would be to be helping produce and work on and recruit people for this Christmas pageant for a lot of months out of the year. And I was like, man, I just don't think I've got it. And so like, obviously wasn't tricked because I didn't find out about it when I got there. But I wonder how many student pastors get to a place and realize, man, this Christmas pageant thing, or man, this youth choir thing's a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. And there, <laughs> and sure. there's that, there's that moment where you're like, oh man, I wish I'd have known that earlier. Man, even the little things like we've talked jokingly about the Christmas banquet that we inherited uh, in oh Virginia. My gosh. <laughs> That it's not something that took six months to plan. We normally spend about three hours on it, <laughs> right? 
but it was a big deal. If it didn't come off and didn't come off well, it was a big deal. And that was that was one of those curveballs. Like we have to do what? Because it really was like a homeschool prom. Is really what it was. And that is not an exaggeration just to be funny. Like that is a perfect descriptor of the event. Oh, yeah. For those all, of you that, that are listening. <laughs> all the girls going to buy dresses and, and the whole deal. I mean, figuring out, figuring, making a whole night of it, picture opportunities. I mean, it was this wasn't just a little Christmas party. This was yeah. definitely a homeschool prom that was Christmas themed. So that was a that was a curveball. But hey, that's another one we came to embrace and love deeply. And Maybe you eventually so canceled deeply. it. <laughs> right? Like you eventually, after I had left, like you eventually got to the place where it was canceled, didn't, <laughs> didn't you? Uh, we talked about it a few times. We never actually canceled it while I was okay. there. I okay. think that Chip may have canceled it after, after I left, though. Well, there you go. Which I can't fault him for. <laughs> so how about tech guy? How about getting tricked or just not knowing the tech responsibilities are coming? I know this much. <laughs> I had never even looked at a light board before we started doing stuff at Liberty. And then all of a sudden, hey, who runs this? Well, we don't have anybody. Oh, well, how do you I, use this? I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sound guy, lighting guy, PowerPoint guy. There's a duty for you. There is. And I'll tell you this. I most student pastors in America, I would wager, know their way around a soundboard at least to get things going. Like it, it may not sound like a trained audio engineer, and hopefully, hopefully doesn't. Right? Like if it does, then then there's a problem. But I would, I would wager that most student pastors in America can can get things rolling. They know how to set up the soundboard to at least have worship on a Wednesday night. I I know I had never really been around one until we, we got there to Virginia and it was like, well, these make it louder and these you push it up, push it down. And you just, <laughs> that's it. And you, you kind of know where stuff plugs in and you try to do the best you can. Man, that the sound thing is so frustrating too because it's never just as easy as make this one louder and this one softer. There's all no. kinds of knobs and switches and this cable should have been plugged in over here, but it's over there. And if you don't know, you just don't know. Yeah. Man, the thing that I learned about the soundboard is you can identify a really great sound engineer not by how much they touch the soundboard, but how little they touch it. Because yeah. it's got all those knobs, but if somebody's back there just twisting, turning, sliding, they don't know what they're doing. They're just back there touching stuff. <laughs> the best ones, like they get it set, and then you don't have to do anything with it from there. It's very true. One of the most annoying things to me is the sound guy that won't stop with the digital delay and the vocal plate. <laughs> it's just nonstop effects just coming out of every end of the system. It's like, just <laughs> leave it alone. <laughs> just let me, just let me sing, man. Yeah. 
Uh, that is a trick though. There are like you, you walk in and it's just, you've got to do it or you've got to find some seventh grader that really loves that stuff and show him the four things, you know, and just let her rip. Hey, so here's another one. How about the surprise ministry segment that you didn't know that you were going to lead? <laughs> most often college ministry for student <laughs> pastors. Most, most often you find out, oh, I'm also in charge of the college ministry. Um, this actually happened for us uh, <laughs> in Virginia. It was not too long. Uh, we talk about Virginia a lot because John Paul and I serve there together. Um just if you haven't been listening to the podcast long, that's where that comes from. But uh, like, I remember there was a moment Grant called, man, we had been there very short amount of time, like weeks. Yeah. Uh, and he called me in to his office and uh, basically said, Hey, we need you to do college ministry. And at that point, basically that was like, make sure there's people to do small groups you, we didn't really have a lot of responsibility there besides making sure people were there to do it. And there was a midweek activity that he wanted to have run. Which um, was volleyball. Midweek volleyball. Yeah, that's right. Midweek volleyball, which I like to play volleyball, so that's good. But I remember uh, one of his, his oldest son was on our staff as an intern that summer. And I came back and uh, unwisely, I learned a great leadership lesson in this moment too, by the way. Uh, this this could have been on last week's Learning the Hard Way podcast, but we, we could talk about it now. So he <laughs> called me in, said, hey, you're going to be doing college ministry. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm, great. I can do those things. And then got back and probably complained a little too much about like, man, we're trying to launch a student ministry basically from the ground up. And now we've got this college ministry distraction. Uh, and, you know, his son was there and heard it and reported back. Uh, which kind of stunk, but you know, it, sure. Like you can understand that reported back. And then a, like a month later, uh, our pastor called me in and said, Hey, just want to talk to you about something you've noticed over the last month. Like I've been encouraging to you. I haven't treated you any differently. I love you. I'm glad you're here, but I asked you to do this. You went back, you complained about it. It got back to me. We're not going to have that here. And I thought like at that moment, it was a little bit of like, run away with your tail between your legs kind of thing. Like I felt a little reprimand, not a little, I was reprimanded, but I think the leadership lesson there is he heard about that that night. I am certain, but he was patient. He wanted to show like, Hey, I'm for you. I'm with you. I believe in you. But that slice of your leadership behavior is completely unacceptable. Uh, and man, it hurt, but I was really appreciative of the way that he handled that. So even though college ministry was a surprise, was a trick for me in that moment, and I didn't respond in the way that I should have as a leader, if I felt those things fine, I shouldn't have talked to anybody else about it. I really appreciated his approach in that correction. Give time to cool off, give time for normalcy. It wasn't something that needed to be handled in that moment because it was that one complaint moment and then we just ran it called me back in treated me really well and uh like i have a wonderful relationship he was one of my mentors for the next five years and i still consider him that uh so it, that's a leadership lesson i learned from him in that moment is how to correct still show love still show appreciation so i'm grateful for that trick even though 
it hurt in the moment. Ben, we have never talked about the interactions that you and I had with Grant over that event. But the day after the report happened, Grant called me into his office and drilled me. He had a list of questions that he asked me about you, how you lead, how you respond. And basically, he just took about 30 minutes because we were so new. We were so fresh. He took about 30 minutes drilling me, asking me questions about your leadership. And he he did ask point blank, is this a pattern? Is this something that's going to happen over and over again? And I was able to spend a little time explaining the situation and like, no, this is circumstantial. You know, this here's here's how this happened. But it's cool to me to hear your end of that because that it's a little more of the leadership lesson. He took some real intentional time with a guy that he didn't know. He didn't know me at all. He really courted you to bring you there. I had like two interview phone calls with him because you endorsed me and said, I want him to be on the team. So, but he spent time with me getting to know you before he ever responded to that with you a month later to say, I can't just react in this moment. I need to learn. I need to understand this person from a different perspective, hear the whole story because he had only heard what he heard from Taylor. And so he was clear to say, I know this is one-sided. This is what I heard. What's your perspective? And then what do you think is that, what does the future look like? And so it's kind of cool to hear a bigger part of that process of the way that he thought through, how am I going to respond to this? And then seeing the way that he did and the relationship that you guys have now is a cool full, full circle leadership lesson. Man, I love that. Uh, had no, like you said, we had not talked about that, had no idea. And uh, man, I think that's so cool and such a great lesson. One, it shows I know that there's more than one side to this situation that I'm hearing about. Mm-hmm. So I've got to figure that out before I respond. And two, I'm going to do some research on this person that I have a pretty new relationship with to really find out how I need to lead this other person. Uh, that shows a lot. shows a lot. Uh, uh, man, even now, an increase of respect in how he handled how he handled that situation. Yeah. And for you and keeping that to yourself for a lot of years. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So here's another uh, trick that I, spoiler alert, we're also going to talk about this one as a treat uh, because some of you might bristle at this, um, but a meeting with moms. <laughs> so, There is a moment, uh, and we've talked about it a little bit uh, before. No, we haven't. So there's a moment, uh, and I've talked about it a little bit on the YouTube channel, that one of the the scariest things, and so this fits for Halloween, one of the scariest things in student ministry uh, is a circle of moms. 
because you're walking through the church or the the youth room or your student building and you see a circle of moms and there you can tell that they're talking about something and uh your mind can instantly if you let it your mind can instantly go to they don't like something they don't like a decision i've made they're starting a revolt what have their kids told them that's not exactly accurate and it can be one of the most scary things in the world and so uh in the world of student ministry anyway And so when you have this group of moms that says, hey, we want to meet with you about something um, that can be that can be a tricky situation. (laughs) Red flag. (laughs) Yeah, you can't run the other way, um, but you you can uh, enter it in a calm state. But I would I would say also so we're going to do tricks and treats. I would say also the treat side of that is that that group of people. If you're able to build relationships, like it comes from a place of care and a desire to see student ministry be absolutely amazing. And if you can mobilize that energy uh, in a direction that that you want it to go in student ministry, it can be one of the best things that you have in your student ministry. So uh, just because you see a circle of moms talking doesn't mean it's always bad. So I have a few thoughts. One, the circle of anybody talking in student ministry is always <laughs> scary because it's always the case that when the student pastor walks up, everybody stops talking. No, that's true. Yeah. And it's like, hey, can I just walk up to another group of humans and be one too? Like, that'd be fun. <laughs> right. Um, but also, the I think one of the things we have to be careful to do as leaders of any group of people, when we have somebody approach us like that, is to always give people the benefit of the doubt. Now, there are some of those that you'll give the benefit of the doubt a few times and you realize, okay, I can't give you the benefit of the doubt anymore. I know the game. But that's after a few interactions. And typically those people have history. So like going back to Grant, he would often say, did you ask Joe Hunt? about that person uh, who is was a person in our church that had been doing ministry at that church for like 30 years. Knew everybody. So if there's any crazy, Joe knew about it. And just one piece of advice, always find those people that you can trust that have been there for a while that can help you read the temperature on somebody that you think you may be having a uh, an iffy interaction with in the near future. Um, but also the positive and the negative side. If, if it's a negative conversation, I love what you said that um, assuming that the conversation's coming from a, from a place of care, even if it's a negative conversation, it's often because they care about their student or some students in the student ministry that have had some kind of a negative experience that is bringing them to a place where they feel like they need to communicate and step in, intercede for them, or try to fix something that they feel like isn't going just right. Yeah. So seeing that from that filter, they're speaking up because they care, even if it's negative, helps to put them in a place that where they're not an enemy. They're just an invested person that may be looking at this from a different perspective. And then on the positive side of things, man, 
The real treat is when that group of parents comes to you and says, we have a great idea for something, or we want to support you in this thing. We love this thing you've been doing, and we'd like to take it this much further, whatever that is. Man, the times that I had those meetings with parents where they're just stoked about the vision and they want to go another step on their own and they're just looking for your blessing. Those are such sweet moments. Yeah. That... um. You can almost ruin if you approach it being completely fearful <laughs> from the outset and not giving your leaders the benefit of the benefit of the doubt, which is hard to say fast today for me for some reason. <laughs> well, we uh, we're into the treats now, so um, one of my one of my favorite treats is the missioncation. Uh, and we I say that tongue in cheek because it's a horrible missions approach, but. Some of you listening have done this. You have picked a fantastic location in the world or in our country, which is incidentally a part of our world. And and you have planned a mission trip uh, to go to this place because you've thought it would be a really awesome. It was like, this place would be awesome. Let's find what there is to do for missions there. <laughs> and you also do a pre-trip so that you can go and scroll scope everything out. See, the pre-trip is a pretty fun thing to be able to do if you've got the budget for it. (laughs) But I think you can make strong arguments for approaching mission work in a way that can be fun for you and them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's right. The pre-trip is nothing but preparation. You have to have a plan. You want to know what's coming. And so I feel like that's an easy sell to say, hey, I don't want to show up in a place I've never been before and have to react to literally every single thing we do every week because I never showed up beforehand to scope it out. That's right. You got to make sure everything's set up, ready to go. Got to do that do dilly. (laughs) (laughs) So, but then also I think there is... I mean, so let's say you're going with um, with a missions organization and they've got locations all around the country. What's wrong with picking your favorite one? Nothing. <laughs> See? I completely agree. So you know you believe in the organization. You say, hey, Chris White's doing some really good work in like eight different parts of the country. I just would like to partner with Chris White in San Diego. Why not? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with giving people a good experience uh, <laughs> right out of the gate. Another treat, um, no one throws up on the bus uh, and you don't have to, you don't have to clean. So like we can put, no one gets sick at camp. We can put all of that in together on this one. If you don't have to clean up throw up or worse at an event. That's a treat. That is a treat. Although I can't say that I've ever cleaned up, throw up myself at an event or on a bus. Me either. (laughs) So here's a lesson in delegation. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Because people have done it. Oh yeah. A lot. (laughs) So one of the best treats of all, is the volunteer that just gets it. Yeah. The one that is on board with you, that 
catches the vision that is ready to run alongside you, coming with their own ideas, reporting all the time on what God's doing, at, you know, in whatever post you've got them in ministry. Man, I, I was texting with one of those volunteers. I'm actually preaching his son's wedding in December, but he's mm-hmm. a guy that was just on board. Like from day one, I remember the very first thing we asked help for in Virginia was a calling campaign. And I don't remember what it was for, but we were calling a bunch of people to come to something. And Tim Bulls says, man, I'm going to bring all three of my sons. We're there. I'll get pizza. We're going to do this thing. And he ended up bringing more of his small group boys that he was teaching as well as all three of his sons. And just, I mean, immediately right out of the gate, like I'm doing this, I'm with you, I'm in. And his posture has never changed. He doesn't have kids in the student ministry anymore and he's still rocking with them. Amazing. Man, those kind of people are so good because not only are they completely bought in, but they get other people to be bought in in a way that maybe you can't as the student pastor because right. they rally their peers. And we we are, as people, we talk about things that we're excited about, that we're passionate about. And so when they get passionate about student ministry, they bring people along with them. And uh, man, there's this, this one specific leader that John Paul mentioned did that, brought people over and over and over. And, you know, I think about people like Bill Sanford, Rick McCoy, they, they did things like that. Throughout the years, there have been handfuls of, of leaders that just stick out, that are bought in, that bring people with them. And they, they're just all stars. And so if you're like, man, student pastor, if you've got some of those like pause and thank the Lord for them. And if you don't at this moment, pray that God will give them to you and try to find some of those that, that you would identify as, man, these could have the potential to be that and just spend time with them and pour into them like crazy and they'll get there. The Lord has, and that's one thing that I can look back at every ministry that I've been a part of. And the Lord was always faithful to give now, Not every leader was like this, but the Lord was faithful to give handfuls of leaders that were like this, that would be influencers and mobilizers of their peers. And it was one of those, the tide raises all ships kind of things. Yeah. And and I think it's important to know for those of you that don't have those people in place already, it's easy to get into a place where you say, I just don't have those people and be down about it. But part of having those people in your ministry is you going to find those people and asking them. And there are people that are just waiting to be asked. They're, they're looking for an opportunity to serve. They don't exactly know how they can serve, but... Man, even having the go-to guy that every time you have an event, he's just jumping up and down to be at the grill to cook food for you for that event. You know, those those kind of people, the, the volunteers at Hunter Street that were willing to dress in spandex from head to toe for the good of students for a four-week-long series. <laughs> <laughs> Which they found out it was they found out it was four weeks on the first night. The night oh yeah. This is this is all month long. 
so I was with them behind the set when they were about to come out. And we have some little radios because Ben, this at this point, I was an intern under Ben in Alabama. We have these little two-way radios and Ben is going to cue me to tell the gladiators to come out. Surprise, none of the kids had seen them. They're coming out in their head-to-toe spandex to joust with some students on the stage on Wednesday night. The doppelganger and El Guapo. That's right. So... I'm waiting on the queue and I tell them, man, thank you so much. This is going to be something like this is going to be the coolest four week series ever. The kids are going to love it. (laughs) One of them was like four weeks. (laughs) Uh, It's so good. Yeah, That's on us. Um, I'm going to lump these last, we'll, we'll wrap up with this, uh, with these treats. I'm going to lump the last couple of them together because they kind of go together. Um, and it really is, man, it's what makes all of the tricks worth it. It's what makes all of the difficult moments in student ministry. It's what keeps us coming back for more every time. And that's those light bulb moments, uh, in teenagers lives where, where you just see, it turn on and God just opens their eyes to some, they take a step further in their faith. Uh, Similarly, students beginning to influence their friends and live on mission. And many times those things kind of go together, but it's those moments. And as we get to the end of a very weird year, we've got a couple months left. And so it's not time to like close the doors on 2020 yet, but I would bet student pastors that if you think about it, and spend some time really focusing in on this, that there have been some of those light bulb moments in the hearts of teenagers, even this year. And it might do your heart good to just sit and think about some of those moments that the Lord's allow you, allowed you to see over the years in student ministry. Um, it's the biggest treat that we can get. Well, that's almost like the... Thank you note, the encouraging card drawer that we've recommended student pastors keep in the past. That to have that record of times that people have said, hey, thanks for what you do, that you can go back on a hard day and remember. This is, I, I feel like this is so, so similar to that. In a, in a year of ministry that's truly been tough sledding to go back and and think about those times, identify those students and those moments where they've had that light bulb go off um, and let the Lord fill you up with that again. That's, that's so much of a recharging moment. Like this is worth, this is hard, but this is worth it. Absolutely. And I think that's what we would leave you with at the end of this particular podcast episode is there are difficult things about student ministry without without a doubt there are there are struggles there are moments where you might feel like you've been tricked into something there are moments that you probably walk want to walk away but there are also moments that are so great and the lord is always faithful to to let us see a glimpse of the fruit that he's producing in teenagers lives even in such a weird year as this one he is working he's using you So be encouraged. The Lord is using you in these moments. And I hope that you get to spend some time thinking about the treats 
of student ministry and lives being changed forever. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.